Today's episode of Prospects to Pros is brought to you by Remarkably Remote, a new daily microcast from the experts at GoToMeeting, all about making work from home work for you. With indispensable intel on how to stay sane, motivated, and productive at home, we're here to help you in this brave new remote working world. Find us on smart speakers or subscribe on your favorite podcasting app. You can also listen at GoToMeeting.com slash tips. That's GoToMeeting.com slash tips. Are you ready? Let's get it started. The NFL draft is now officially open. Welcome to the Athletics Prospects to Pros podcast. I'm Chris Burke, joined by a rested, relaxed <laughs> Dane Brugler. <laughs> Finally got uh, some time to himself, hopefully. Uh, his draft guide, The Beast, is out. Uh, it, it's incredible, as it always is. I've got, yeah, it takes me a while to get through it. 200 and, uh, it's like 245 pages this year of uh, just incredible detail. Uh, I mentioned on Twitter uh, after it came out, you know, it's something in that obviously is important for the draft. But, I, you know, I go back to throughout the spring and summer as teams are adding players go back to it throughout the year when uh, a rookie kind of pops all of a sudden so uh, it's a great great resource to have dane puts an incredible amount of work into it um and you can only get it by subscribing to the athletic so get over to the athletic.com um dane's tweeted out the draft guide a, a few times uh you can get a 90 day free trial still to go check it out or if you just want to go right ahead and subscribe, you can still go to theathletic.com slash prospects to pros and get 40% off. You don't get the free trial, but uh, with that 90-day free trial, you're paying the regular subscription price. So take your pick. Either way, go in, get the draft guide. It's worth the price of admission on its own. So, uh, Dane, congrats on being done. And uh, it's got to be the, the first couple of days after you finish have got to be <laughs> kind of nice to kick back a little bit. Yeah, I mentioned before we hit record that I went to bed at eight thirty last night, and it felt so good. <laughs> Got pulling a few all nighters here the last uh, last few days just to get this thing out. It's just there's so many things from you know editing to final touches. You know, I'm getting like literally the morning before I we posted it, I'm getting texts from uh, you know a, a GM or a scout saying, "Hey, this, this, that." Like it's just trying to get as much info in there as possible while also getting it out on a timely matter so people have time to uh, digest this before the draft because hard to believe the draft's here two weeks from tomorrow like that's just that's nuts uh and uh, virtually this year so um no and, and i i'm glad you mentioned that about going back to the guide uh and that's something that i find myself doing often a lot with injuries you know a player will you know get a concussion as a rookie or bang up his, his knee and so i often find myself going back to the guide and saying or to look and say okay did he have any injury stuff i knew he had injury stuff but what was it exactly what and you know hopefully the guide can provide that so it's definitely been a resource far after uh, draft day so i appreciate everyone checking it i appreciate all the all the kind words you guys are you guys are awesome yeah, and you mentioned, I mean, I think we probably should give a shout out to uh, Lisa Wilson, uh, Amy Parlopiano, Zach Boyer editing oh, yeah. this thing this year. I mean, it, it people, we talk about it a lot on here, how much time it takes you, but I, I think if people have read it or are reading this year's copy, they'll get a feel for just uh, the amount of content that the, that's in there. It's 
it's ridiculous. So, uh, like I said, shout out to uh, the editing side of it too. Right. Because um, it's not just like grammar. It's like fact checking. So, right. like if I put in there how a, a, a player started – he started playing football at 10 years old. Like they're checking that. And so it's, uh, it took over a week to uh, really pour through it. And so yeah, hundred percent. I'm, I'm glad you mentioned them. They, uh, they're, they're the real MVPs in this. Well, I want to want to get into the beast. Obviously you mentioned the virtual draft to so just spend a minute there before we get rolling here, because now that's happening. Everyone, you know, NFL facilities are staying locked for the draft. Everyone's got to stay home teams are trying to figure out exactly how to coordinate this you know we've had uh john harbaugh i'm sure won't be the last coach to uh bring up the possibility of you know security issues as they go through the draft here i mean it's a little it's a little wild to me that 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 would be a topic considering the draft used to be uh you know there there were days when they just call in and do it on the phone and feels like we could go back to that if we really needed to (laughs) but um you know, everyone at, at working from home is certainly getting used to doing these uh, video conference calls and everything. And now the NFL going to take it for a spin. Um, what's your reaction here? I mean, how, do you think this is going to be fun to watch? Is this going to be a disaster? Like, where are we going <laughs> to land here? There's definitely potential for some type of uh, disaster or some type of uh, hiccup that could happen, but. I, and I don't think Coach Harbaugh's. I mean, like their coaches are paranoid by nature, obviously. So it's it, it seems to reason that they would point out some of these potential issues. Um, I mean, it's it's not it's really not that hard. My my mom, she's working from home, and she was telling me yesterday she was on a Zoom call with uh, a bunch of other people, and it got hacked right in the middle of it. Uh, there was a, 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 a KKK thing that came up with a swastika, like it just all this terrible oh, stuff no. it, yeah. right in the middle of it. And like, you just, people have too much free time on their hands and they, you know, they're looking to do some crazy stuff. And uh, it's not like there'd be less concerns if, um, you know, each, each team was in their own facility and we're doing it virtually, but each one of these teams are going to be at their house. I mean, I, I just can picture a, a director of scouting somewhere, uh, you know, pounding on the wall because their 13 year old daughter is using all the bandwidth on Netflix, <laughs> a, a room over, you know, like just I, I mean, there's just there's so many things that could potentially go wrong. But I, I and it, you do have to wonder how do, what does it mean for for trades? What does it mean for, um, you know, just collaboration between between the teams um you know the well-organized teams the well-oiled machine uh those those teams are going to have a little bit of an advantage uh or the teams that really keep things tight-knit um you know there's really just the two or three people that end up making the decisions um where uh, other teams are going to might be at a disadvantage in that respect so uh, you know it's 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 really unprecedented stuff here and it's it's going to be fascinating from a tv perspective to see how it all all comes off and you know if a team takes a few extra minutes how is that going to be i mean is that just going to be expected that it's going to be okay and um but it it's certainly something that uh is going to change things up i don't know what's your read on the whole thing yeah i mean i'm really curious to see how it happens because even i know the nfl is a billion dollar industry so it's it's probably operating on a different budget than most of us working from home are but there's right. always like the one or two people that you know the internet kicks out or forget to hit the mute button or like, there's always something that seems to go wrong with the more people you add to to these things so i, I am curious even just to see you know what the setup is there's been some talk about 
maybe adding time to the picks, maybe giving teams a timeout in case they have one of those issues pop up. They needed a, a little bit of extra time to sort of work through trades or figure out what they're doing. Uh, Kevin Colbert of the Steelers suggested adding three more rounds, going Love 10 it. and Love it. drafting and, and skipping uh, some of the undrafted free agent process, which I think is... I, I mean, it feels late in the game to be pitching changes to the draft at this point, but uh, obviously this is unprecedented territory. And I, I, I'm with you. I think that's an awesome idea. Like, just mm-hmm. uh, I would think. I mean, I don't know. I, I'd be curious to see. Uh, I was kind of reading some of the agents reacting to it on Twitter, and uh, it seemed like it was um, some pros and some cons. But I mean, I, just given where we're at and sort of how difficult it's going to be for teams to feel comfortable with a lot of the you know, undrafted guys or guys they haven't had face-to-face time with, having another, you know, 100 picks would seem to benefit both sides uh, in some interesting ways. Yeah, because uh, for people that don't know, the uh, undrafted process, it's really just the Wild West because, uh, uh, you know, teams are calling players uh, starting really in the, in the fifth round uh, around that range and saying, hey, you know what, we might pick you here in the sixth or seventh round if we don't. Love to bring you in afterwards. You know, we we might be looking for a running back, but if we don't draft one, uh, you know, we we'd love to bring you in. And like, they just it's really a recruiting process. And right after the draft, that's where agents and and the players that don't get drafted sit down and they they field these calls that are just nonstop. And uh, but on the other side, uh, you know, players or the eight or the scouts that that's usually who are making these calls. You know, the area scouts who are in charge of that area uh you know but they have to also check in with their cap guy to find out okay how much of a bonus can we get can we give this guy a $25,000 bonus uh you know what 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 can I what can we do here they have to check in with the position coach to find out um you know to to make sure that the player they can bring that player in there's gonna be enough room on the depth chart because you only have so much pool of money to hand out in the undrafted uh portion of of the draft so there's so many things that go into it so many steps that are easier done in when you're all in the same facility but even then it's chaos and so to add three rounds i love it it makes a ton of sense that's what you used to do back it, it changed the seven round format in 1994 before that i think they had 12 rounds so it's not like it's crazy to think that we could add three rounds i, I think we'd be just fine and it would give teams a little more uh, a, a little more of a, a just a better feeling when you're drafting maybe a player in the seventh round who has got some injury stuff where maybe you don't have all the information or maybe a few of these riskier picks on the non-combine guys. I, it just it, it, there'd be some things to figure out in terms of money and all that, but I, I think it makes a ton of sense. Well, I think the one of the cons is on the you know I think when guys get down to that range, like mid to late seventh round, even sometimes you're they're almost hoping to go undrafted because sure. then you can pick where you're going to land. And so right. adding you know three more rounds, like would you rather be an undrafted guy and try to figure out exactly how to go about this, or would you prefer to be a you know ninth round pick uh, to a team that's already got a pretty good depth chart? You know, so I think that that's part of the that's going to be part of it too. If this even again. I don't know if this even gets off the ground at this point. The draft's in two weeks, but right. uh, it is kind of interesting. Um, it, it's an interesting idea. And I kind of like that uh, the NFL's thinking outside the box with a lot of these things because, uh, like we said, it's you know they're obviously trying to figure this out on the fly like we all are. Well, yeah, and in that similar vein, um, I got some more clarity on how they're conducting the rechecks. 
Um, because you know, just a little bit of background for those that don't know, obviously the extensive medicals happen at the combine in late February, but then there's all, always, you know, a two dozen players who, um, you know, were maybe in the midst of their rehab and they need to go back just to get an update on what's going on with that injury and the rehab process. I mean, Tua is a perfect example of that. Uh, but obviously no rechecks this year in Indianapolis with uh, everything going on. So what they're doing, wherever that player is quarantined, um, you know, say there's a player quarantined in uh, Nashville, then they are going to see the NFL. They're assigned the NFL team that is closest to where they're quarantined. So whoever's, if they're quarantined in Nashville, they're going to see the trainer with, uh, with the Titans and, they are uh, that trainer and the PT staff. They take a bunch of requests from teams like, hey, check out the shoulder or, hey, check out uh, the foot. What You know, just they, they send in all this information and then they, they do that. They conduct the, the examination and they upload all that information to uh, to the combine website for all the teams to be able to see that and share it. So it's kind of the best of a bad situation, um, you know, without having to without all these players being able to go for the rechecks. That's that's how they're conducting it and so it's it's going to help guys uh like Tua and you know uh you know Marcus Bailey from Purdue's another one because he his ACL uh there's there's a long list of players uh who had issues going on with uh medical stuff who don't have the the rechecks but they are able to kind of uh, you know the NFL is trying to work their way around it yeah and that's something that um I wouldn't say that trust runs all that high in the league. So I'm, right. yeah, that's another spot. Like that's the, the thing with hacking the draft isn't because they're worried. I mean, the NFL is probably worried about someone dropping into the broadcast or something and screwing it up. But, uh, you know, the teams are worried that other teams are going to try and hack in. And so it's, sure. uh, you're putting these rechecks in the hands of other teams, doctors. That's a, you know, another wrinkle that everyone's going to have to sort of get their heads around as we move forward here. So yeah, there's, uh, Except we got two weeks, about two weeks till the draft, and there's still a lot of moving parts here as we get closer. Uh, and uh, as we said, fortunately, the Beast is here, so everyone can check that out, uh, Dane's Draft Guide. Um, and as we're talking about process, I guess since we always always kind of joke around about how much work you put into this, but uh, again, for people who read it, it's not just, you know, it's not just the scouting reports, it's pretty extensive as extensive a background as you're going to get on these guys in two three paragraphs it's all the stats it's all the combine pro day times uh just what you know what is your process on this how do you go about getting all this information uh beyond you know what you're seeing on film all this information on guys about you know where how they grew up and what sports they like to play and what their hobbies are all these other things that are in here yeah, it, like it's a year-round process. I start around June first every year, um, and it just starts. It starts over the summer with watching the tape on these seniors um, or the you know, upcoming seniors, and then some of the underclassmen, and then doing the legwork. Um, you know, getting on the phone with these guys, talking through their backgrounds, uh, finding out more about them. Um, you know, and so by the time we get to the combine. You know, I, I really don't need to talk to too many guys because I already got most of the information that I need, but it's just, you always learn something from these guys. And that, that, that's what I'm most proud about, I think, with this guide is, and that's, I received so many messages yesterday, uh, after I released it. And a lot of the messages were, 
hey, I didn't know that or how, you know, why Clyde Edwards Hilaire has that hyphenated last name. uh, But, you know, it's in the guide why he has that. Um, You know, it's in there how uh, as a sophomore in high school, uh, he added the Hilaire because of his stepfather and the importance that uh, he had in his life, um, but also kept uh, Edwards, uh, his father's, uh, by his biological father's last name, who spent a lot of time in prison for for drug possession. Uh, but he has they kind of rekindled that uh, relationship. So I mean that that's kind of stuff's all in there. Um, and so it's uh, not only that, uh, all the background stuff, you know, the the journey stuff, which I love to talk about, just because these players. Uh, they're not just, you know, uh, on the football field. And I mean, they're real people and they, their journey to get from where they started playing football until now is just fascinating. And there's, there's no two are exactly the like, but then also all the combine and pro day information and it's NFL verified stuff. I'm not taking uh pro day information. I get off Twitter. I'm getting the uh, exact, the official, this is what all the NFL teams have when it comes to the pro day stuff. Um, uh, and there's, there's always some interesting stuff in there that we don't, that don't get shared on TV. Um, you know, one of those, uh, one of my favorite players in this draft, Jedrick Wills, he did not have a three cone time. And the reason he didn't have a three cone time was because he tried five times and he couldn't, he, 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 he failed five times and he got to, he kind of got disqualified. So he does not have a three cone time. Uh, that is why five failed attempts. Um, so all that kind of stuff's in there. And then of course the analysis on these players, um, strengths, weaknesses, um, that's where it's obviously more of, um, you know, my opinion on, on players, just watching the tape, studying these guys throughout the year. And then uh, throughout uh, the last few months of the process, um, giving my idea of, um, you know, kind of what translates, what doesn't, um, all the stats, which I think are important, you know, especially for offensive linemen, a guy that starts, started 35 games over his career. Um, okay, that's great. But how many were at tackle? How many were at left tackle? And you know, Trista Wirfs, 33 starts, 29 at right tackle, four at left tackle. So, I mean, all that information uh, is is in there. I think, you know, I'm, I'm a big believer in details. I think that's where you really learn um, about certain things. And with uh, with this draft, with all these prospects, uh, there is no detail that is too small. So it's all in there. Uh, this guy, for the first time, it went over two hundred fifty thousand uh, words, which I, I, I'm usually around two twenty two thirty. This is the first one over two fifty. So I, I I don't purposely try to make it wordy. I it's actually the opposite. I try to make it as streamlined as possible in terms of just making it in and out, being concise and. Sometimes you just, you know, it adds up, but, uh, yeah, that's, that's, that's the, the, the skinny version of kind of what the beast is. Yeah. And we had, uh, several hundred people subscribe to read it, uh, on its first day out. So hopefully we can keep churning those numbers out. And I, I haven't seen any negative feedback yet. I can't imagine people are, would be reading this and are disappointed. Just, I was looking at, um, you know, some of these stuff, like, I think it was Michael P. Ryan played linebacker in middle school. And it's like, how would he even get that information? <laughs> There's just some stuff in here that kind of blows my mind. So, um, and some really cool details, too, like Davion Taylor you had in there that uh, because of his mom's religious beliefs, didn't play on game days with his, uh, mid- I think it was his middle school team, his youth team. Um High school. practice and then wouldn't high school oh, okay high school yeah. so would practice yeah. awesome. and wouldn't play on game days and uh yeah. and like uh kevin davidson one of the quarterbacks there you had had like the uh friday night lights like 
Mighty Ducks, Adam Banks, uh, residency <laughs> issue. I, that's, he played that's, for that's the wrong per- school. Perfect. I didn't. I didn't think of the Banksy one, but that's that's perfect. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> the the he the residence thing he got got flagged, and so he didn't play as a junior uh, in the Oakland area. So yeah, and that's uh, yeah the Davion Taylor stuff. That's it's such an interesting story. He actually played one game as uh, a senior because they started the game early enough in the day uh, on a Friday night, like, you know, five o'clock or something. So he played, you know, like the first three quarters or something. So like, but that was the only game he played in high school because of uh, his, you know, his family, they were members of the seventh day um, Adventist uh, church. And so they, they acknowledge that. And after he became 18 and left for college, he started at the JUCO level. His mom kind of said, Hey, you're, you're an adult. You can make your own decisions. And so he made the decisions to still be religious and still, you know, acknowledge a lot of, uh, you know, the, the practices, but he also picked up football. And after two years, JUCO went to Colorado and um, you know, he, he, he still plays like a guy that's not played a ton of football and the experience issues are there. But I mean, he ran a four, four, nine at the combine in the 40 and then at his pro day ran a four, three, nine. So uh, he's, I wouldn't be shocked at all if he snuck his way into the top 100 just based off of, you know, potential of what he could do. And if he's not a top 100 guy, he's going to be off the board pretty quickly. I'd say, I'd guess somewhere in the fourth. You have any other little favorite tidbits in here that people should be uh, looking for? Um, gosh, there's so many. Um, you know, I mentioned the Clyde Edwards Hilaire one. That's, that's interesting to me. Um, and it's not just with that Edwards Hilaire, which I, I didn't know much about this. Uh, but he had like, he literally, he was with another player and they literally shot someone in self-defense. Um, which I, I had no idea about this until I dug more into it. Uh, and off field's not really a concern. Um, I'm not, staying this as hey you know red flag this guy but him and a teammate uh jared small they were selling some electronics and uh the guy they were selling to pulled a gun and the other the small the guy that edward Hilaire was with uh pulled out a gun and shot him first uh in self-defense so neither were charged but i mean that's something that i mean and this this just happened uh gosh a year and a half ago so, I mean, it's something that I didn't, I, I didn't know about this. I didn't see anything about it. Um, didn't really make headlines. Ed, uh, Edwards Hilaire was a backup at that time. So it didn't get much run in the media, but just finding out stuff like that is just really interesting. Yeah. And I will say selfishly, that's the other reason that the, uh, the guide comes in handy is that as soon as, and I, I know I'm not the only one who covers the NFL who does this, as soon as you know, the team I covered, the Lions pick someone. Uh, I'm pulling up the draft guide and looking at the background to see if there's anything in there that I could spin off into a, an interesting feature story. <laughs> uh, any of that background that you've got that no one else has yet. So um, that doesn't help uh, maybe the readers quite as much, but I appreciate it. I'm sure that other people, uh, other uh, other writers appreciate that part too. So. Uh, yeah, and that's because each each one of these guys have something, you know, like uh, Adam Troutman, not literally not catching a football uh, in a game his entire life until he was a, he played football since, since little league, never caught a football until he was a sophomore, um, at, at Dayton. Um, you know, stuff like that. Just really, really interesting to me. Um, cause again, it's just that, or he was a redshirt freshman, I believe, but just that's, that's that kind of stuff that's really interesting and helps, helps tell you 
where they're coming from, where they're going, and, and all that. So um, uh, there's there's literally no detail that's too small with these guys. So uh, let's get into. Uh, won't spend too much time on it. I want people to go read the thing, but let's get into a little bit of uh, what's actually there with the rankings and with uh, some of these players that you like. And I just scroll down uh, to the top 100 draft board and. Um, I'm going to start at the bottom because Jalen Hurts checks in right at number 100. He's the last guy there. Uh, was that, I guess, is that actually where you have him ranked? Or did you want to have Jalen Hurts in the top 100? Uh, how, how did he land right as the last spot? Yeah, and I mean, basically, uh, when you get down to uh, that, my all my grades that had that third, fourth, because I, I do grades. It just, I mean, I, I wish I could do it a little more professional with you know a four a 5.4 you know come with my own grading system but i just i try to keep it simple so i just use the round grades even though that's not ideal way to do it but uh, i think it just it, it makes it more clear for the reader um just you know, kind of picturing where the guys uh where we see them in the draft i, I gave jalen hurts a third fourth um even though i think there's a good chance he goes more like second third um i gave him a third fourth and um it just, he was in that mix of uh, the guys at, at the bottom of uh, the top 100 who are right on on the borderline. Uh, and there, there are quite a few of those guys with that third, fourth designation. And so Hertz just snuck in there at 100. Um, so he was the seventh quarterback. So seven quarterbacks in my in my top 100. Um, I, I do think people will find it. Uh, maybe I have Jacob Eason and Jake Fromm a little bit lower. Uh, neither in my top 75. Um, so they're just outside my top 75, um, both those quarterbacks. And then the uh, top four obviously are, are in the top 100. Um, and it is interesting going back to uh, my top 50 um, in November, early November, um, my top 50, 2.0, whatever that was. Um, I, just looking at where I had some of these quarterbacks, it's almost identical to uh, where I had the quarterbacks then to where I have them now. Uh, Joe Burrow was a number two, Tua was number six. And then I had, um, well, I had uh, uh, Jordan Love and Herbert back to back. And in November, I had Jordan Love, uh, you know, 18 and Herbert 19. I had Love just ahead. And then at the senior bowl, that's when I, I flipped them. I put uh, Herbert just ahead of Love and they finished, what, 18 and 19 on uh, my final overall on my final uh, top 100 um, with Herbert just edging out love and it'll be interesting to see where these quarterbacks end up uh, we've we've talked about it at length I think in every single episode with Burroughs going one and then things get re- get really interesting with uh, the Dolphins the Chargers um, and then assuming that Tua and Herbert go in the top six where does Jordan love? Where does that leave him? Uh, you know, the Colts at 13, no longer an option. 14, the Bucks, no longer an option. Um, I just, I don't see the Patriots going that direction. Maybe, can't rule it out. Um, Patriots, uh, it's a little, you know, they haven't drafted a quarterback in the first round in a long, long time. So, um, you know, where, uh, where is Jordan Love going to, could he fall to the second? Uh, I think it's possible. He could be this year's Drew Locke, you know, fall to, um, the early portion of the second round and end up starting in the league. Um, I think the Colts having that second pick in the second round is really interesting uh, for Jordan Love. So these quarterbacks, uh, you know, I always drive the discussion and, uh, you know, it's it's certainly true this year. I know this might be a little hard to go back and, and think through this, but are there guys that um, 
you know, I'm just sort of looking at like Patrick Queens at 21. Uh, mm-hmm. Denzel Mims is 35. You got Logan Wilson in the top 75. Um, are, like, are there guys that over the process of this made huge, huge leaps or anyone that really fell the other way? Like who, who was the most surprising uh, in terms of the development over the last, you know, four or five months as you were putting this together? Patrick Queen would definitely qualify. And he's a guy that didn't start. His first start was when Devin White last November, when he had that targeting call uh, against, I don't remember who it was against, but he was out for the first half against Alabama the next week. Um, and so that was Patrick Queen's first ever start. And then this year became a full-time starter. And you really saw him get better and better throughout the year. And so, you know, for my process, um, you know, I'm watching the games on Saturday, obviously, but I don't really don't make sweeping moves in my rankings until I watch the tape. And by the time I watch Patrick Queen's tape in, you know, at the end of the year, uh, in December, January, uh, you know, I was, I, I thought he was a top 100 guy, but then it's like, okay, why can't this guy be a second rounder? And it's like, okay, why can't this guy be a first rounder? He's explode. He's undersized. He's about six foot two, thirty, shorter arms, but he's so explosive. Uh, the diagnose, diagnose skills are awesome. Um, and who's, oh, I was talking to, uh, Daniel Jeremiah, um, uh, just chatting up on about players and, um, we were talking about, uh, Queen came up and, you know, I mentioned how, you know, love is upside and, you know, thought he was uh, a guy that'd go top 100, but now I'm not so sure. And he's like, oh yeah, I, I think he's going first round. I'm like, yeah, you know what? I, I, I can't disagree with you I, because it, it, when you sit down and you, you know, you, you, it's one thing when you watch a guy and you say, yeah, he's, he's a good player, projects as an NFL starter, probably, you know, he's going to go could go top 100 but then when you sit down and rank them out and it's like okay if i'm an nfl gm and i'm sitting there and i have i need a linebacker and i have my choice of these five guys i'm gonna take him i'm isaiah simmons i'm gonna take him first and then okay who am i taking second of these guys and you really break it down and you're like you know what i got patrick queen that's that's who i would take next he's literally the youngest player in the draft He's, you know, you think he's going to get better and better, especially with what he can do in coverage and be a three down player. Um, the explosiveness uh, needs to get better taking on contact, but the explosiveness, the diagnose skills are things that you're going to love. So uh, for me, uh, you know, Patrick Queen was second. Kenneth Murray was third. Um, and, you know, I just it, it's, it's really interesting when you really start to rank these guys and think about it, how, how things shake up. Denzel Mims, um, he crushed the process and. I, I you look at the senior bowl and uh, the difference in the senior bowl uh, route running from his tape is just it's it's huge uh, at, at Baylor. It's a lot of straight line stuff, um, you know, slants, verts, um, just uh, not a lot of creativity to what he was asked to do. But then he goes to the senior bowl and he's beating press like it's like it's nothing. I mean, he's making uh, he's really doing a nice job with his footwork, his sink, um, a little bit of his route tempo. So it's not just he's, he's turning or making corners uh, get turned around. And it's it's something that there's there's thought into what he's doing out there. And then he goes and runs, you know, the four, three, three tests off the charts. And it's just like, OK, he's tall. He's long. He's super long. He's a big time athlete. And, you know, he was productive uh, in that offense, had a, a, a below average quarterback at Baylor. So, you know, all these things, it's like, OK, why, you know, this guy should be higher. And so I ended up putting him uh, beginning of the second. But I, I think he's going to go somewhere in the late first when it's all said and done. Flip side, I guess, of Patrick Queen there, um, a couple of his L- LSU, you know, defensive teammates, uh, guys that we've been talking about really all year. You have Grant Delpit in at 46 below. um 
let's see the other safeties ahead of him. You have Xavier McKinney, uh, mm-hmm. Jeremy Chin, Kyle Duggar, and then uh, Christian Fulton, who's a guy that's been you know getting round one talk, is uh, at number sixty. You've got him as your seventh cornerback. So, are those guys that disappointed you? Is that just sort of how the board, uh, you know, those other guys rising up? I know we've talked a lot about Chin and Kyle Duggar uh, over the past few weeks, but um, what what happened there? I guess. Yeah, and I think that's a good way to kind of phrase it, um, kind of the opposite of of Queen, uh, because you saw Queen get better and better as the season went on and as the competition got better later in the year. Um, and it was a little bit of the opposite for, uh, you know, Fulton and, I mean, Delpit just the entire year. You just really question, and, and this is something, I mean, it's not just, you know, watching games on Saturdays and saying he's missing tackles. It's really pouring over the tape, talking with uh, people in the NFL, and they're seeing the same things. I mean, the missed tackles just pile up. And yes, the ankle was an issue for him. Um, and it's really debatable about how much of an issue. But these flyby uh, tackles that he's having, I, mean, I don't know how you can just blame the ankle on that. So he needs to get better, and it's fixable. You know, you can coach that. That's why I think he's still worthy of, you know, top 50, um, you know, early second round. I'd be okay taking him there. Uh, But there are concerns there, no question. And with Christian Fulton, uh, you know, I think part of it is uh, the guy, some corners in front of him just kind of outplaying him this year. Um, Jalen Johnson, A.J. Terrell, um, uh, Gladney, even though Gladney's Gladney's a lightning rod uh, when you talk to teams. There's some teams that think he's a late first. Some teams that think he's an early third. I, I'm not going to be shocked wherever Gladney ends up. But Fulton's a guy that just – he does a lot of things well, just doesn't do anything great. Um, you know, you see – you you watch him and, uh, you know, the Alabama tape was rough for him. Um, Henry Ruggs got him just – uh, tied up in a knot um and you know there's there's he just doesn't have any any special qualities to him and that's okay i think he can start in the nfl and start for a long time um you know i think he's worthy of a second round pick but if you're taking a corner in the first you want a guy that is going to push for pro bowls that you can line up as, against the opponent's number one and feel confident that he's going to hold his own um and i just don't think you see that with christian fulton still a quality player a really solid player just uh have some question marks there am i wrong to think that this could be kind of a sneaky good cornerback class uh just looking i mean some of those names jalen johnson's a guy that i i really like quite a bit um you've got josiah scott in your top 100 i think he's going to be a really good slot in the next level uh michael ojamudia i think is going to be a good day three pick for get for some team and kind of go down the list there's names here that pop to me um dane jackson's another one like there's names here that pop to me down beyond Okuda, Henderson, uh, you know, Gladney Diggs that I think are going to be productive players. What's your read on the overall strength of that class? 100%. Um, I think I'd throw a linebacker in there too as one of those positions where it just seems like every every point in the draft, there's someone you like. Um, at linebacker, you know, we talked about the first round guys uh, with Simmons and Queen and Murray and I'd throw Zach Bond in there. But on day two, uh, Akeem Davis Gaither, uh, Jordan Brooks, Willie Gay Jr., Malik Harrison, Logan Wilson, those guys are all day two players and I feel really good about them. And then even on day three with Davion Taylor, who we talked about earlier, uh, Marcus Bailey from Purdue, who would be a day two player if not for uh, his two ACL injuries. Um, Francis Bernard, uh, I like quite a bit from Utah, just being 
know, he's an older guy, uh, but there's there's a lot to like about him. Uh, to linebackers, I think falls under that category as well. But yeah, I agree about corner because you know Jeff Okuda is the top guy, obviously. C.J. Henderson, I think, has separated himself as the the number two guy, and then that next tier is you know, the Gladneys, the Diggs, the Jalen Johnsons. Uh, Igbenogany's in there. Um, I think Amik Robertson from Louisiana Tech. Uh, he's the poster child for why you don't judge books by their cover. Um, you know, he's doesn't look like much. He's five eight, buck eighty seven. But this guy does not let receivers get comfortable. He is tough as nails. His ball production is just ridiculous uh, with what he's able to do. It like fourteen interceptions the last three years. Three of them he brought back for touchdowns. Um, if he were a little bit bigger, we'd be talking about him as a first round pick. So a team is going to get a steal when they draft him in the early third, um, and he ends up being a, a decade long slot player for them. Um, uh, you mentioned Josiah Scott, who another guy undersized, but he's fast. He's physical. Uh, big fan of him. Uh, he ran in the low four fours uh, at the combine. Uh, John Reed from Penn State. He falls in that day three category um, of being undersized, but uh, really scrappy. Um, really uh, the short area quickness, the short area burst is outstanding. So he's another guy to keep an eye on. Then a, a combine or a non combine guy. Uh, Demarcus Acey from Missouri. He might be the highest drafted non-combine guy this year. Uh, he's somewhere in that fifth, sixth range um, uh, for me. So uh, there are some teams that really like him, uh, the corner out of Missouri as well. So I, I agree. This corner class, we talk so much about the receivers. That's that's clearly the strength of this draft. And I think offensive tackle, in terms of being top heavy, in terms of first round talent, offensive tackle is you know, at the top, but then you look at corner, you look at linebacker. I, I might throw running back in there uh, this year with what the running back uh, class has to offer. I, I think that's your next positions in terms of strength at every point in the draft and maybe even edge rusher, um, you know, kind of drops off a little bit, but uh, yeah, this, this draft definitely has talent at certain positions that run, run all the way through day one, day two, day three. And we talked about the wide receiver class a lot on here. You've got 19, 19- 19 guys with third, fourth grade or higher, and then 44 players with draftable grades this year. You locked in with C.D. Lamb, Jerry Judy, Henry Ruggs in that order up top. But uh, it seems like this only kind of reemphasized for you that, um, you know, this is going to be a really good receiver class and there's going to be some talent in that. I mean, even going down through again to just kind of list some of these names you've got towards the end of day two into day three, like, uh, Antonio Gandy Golden's got a ton of upside. You've got Devin Duvernay in round four, as a fourth round grade. You know he's a guy we've talked about a lot. Donovan Peoples Jones is in that mix too. Courtney Davis, like just going down the list and even into the uh, preferred free agent list. There's guys that look like like if they get drafted, if someone drafts Aaron Parker or something like that, that doesn't seem like it would be way off the board uh, for teams. So there's as expected a ton of talent at that wide receiver spot. Yeah, and a lot of guys that are uh, listed as PFAs, but you know, wouldn't be a surprise if they end up, uh, you know, getting drafted. Because, like you said, it's it's just not a stretch when you get into those late rounds. And um, you know, a guy like uh, Darnell Moody from Tulane, who you know ran in the four threes. I mean, they, they, I, I I I try not to be too negative on these guys. Um, and but I I wrote in his report how he has a kicker body. Um, uh, a kicker's body, um, and I, I, 
So, yeah, I don't know if I'm insulting him or kickers or both, um, <laughs> you, everyone, but it's, you know, that's just, that's, that's what it is. Um, but he's a guy that at 4-3 and, you know, productive at Tulane. So I could see him getting drafted. Um, but yeah, you look at these, these receivers and you almost feel bad for some of the guys, uh, in the later rounds because in, in normal years, I think they'd be locks to get drafted. But this year, it's just everything's different. Um, and a few guys that, uh, maybe weren't at the combine or aren't being talked about a lot. Uh, Josh Pearson from Jacksonville State. Um, you know, he's a really interesting story because he was uh, academically ineligible for uh, much of his career. Uh, and then he's able to find the field finally. And at last year as a junior, and then this year as a senior, really productive both years, uh, 30 touchdowns total the last two years. And he, at his, at his pro day performance, uh, measured in at six three and a half, and had ran a four four six, uh, forty one and a half inch vert. So that's th- those are numbers with what he did the last two years, the production, um, the testing numbers. Uh, you know, the maturity's got to check out, obviously, with you know being academically ineligible for two years. Um, so there's some things that just need to be checked, but there, there's a lot to like there. Um, so I, I think he's a player that could end up being a surprise. Um, Kirk Merritt from Arkansas State, another one. Uh, he was a a big time recruit started at Oregon uh, but you know got a little homesick transferred uh, to Texas A&M and uh, didn't see he sat out the 2016 season but and then didn't see the field there because he had dismissed but uh, exposed himself to two academic tutors. So he got booted from AM, uh, goes to JUCO level for a year, then resurfaces at Arkansas State. And the last two years, uh, you know, he's been really productive. And I think Omar Bayless from Arkansas State got a lot of the attention there with what he did. But Kirk Merritt, uh, yeah, he's, he's a guy that's size is average, six foot, 210, but he's a big time athlete. Um, and if he's able to figure things out and stay, stay clean, stay, uh, just, you know, uh, keeping, uh, you know, keeping his, uh, affairs in order and, you know, not getting on the wrong path, then he's a guy that could stick. So yeah, this, this wide receiver class has a lot of interesting names in the late rounds and then in the PFAs who in normal years, uh, you type of guy you take a chance on fifth, sixth, seventh round. Well, we could spend uh, probably hours going through this draft guide. Like I said, I want people to go read it. Um, so you can get Dane on Twitter at DP Brugler. He's tweeted out the link a few times. Uh, you can also head over to theathletic.com. Uh, you can find the, the beast right there. Go to theathletic.com slash NFL. It's definitely up on that page. Or if you want to head over to theathletic.com slash prospects to pros, you can sign up for 40% off. Again, that uh, draft guide is only available with the subscription. So either use the 90-day free trial or head over, get the 40% off through our Prospects to Pros uh, promo code. And uh, either way, you get hooked up, get you access to this this draft guide, which uh, if you're just sitting home and need something to do for the next couple weeks until the draft comes, this probably will keep you occupied the whole time. Uh, there's plenty there uh, to go through and, and sort of soak <laughs> yeah, in. Yeah. So. Any uh, any parting words you want to leave the people with as they dive into this? Well, I just want to say thank you to everyone for all the all the messages, all the feedback. Please keep them coming. Uh, I'd love to talk about this with you. Uh, put a lot of time into it, so happy to you know talk about it with you guys. Um, and we got a, a seven round mock coming out here in the next few days that I've been working on. Um, that uh, should be interesting uh, to to go through that as well. So yeah, and I got I've got a lot of questions about if people can buy it separately. Um, and uh, no, the answer is no. It's this is exclusive through the athletics. So um, you know, if you want to check it out, um, you know, just 
sign up for a subscription. It's, it's, uh, and if you only want to do a month and you don't want to do the full year, it's still cheaper than, uh, you know, what I would sell the guide for independently. So, you know, check it out. Um, it's, I think you'll really like what we have to offer, um, on the site besides just the draft guide. Like I said, seven round mock. Um, we got plenty of draft stuff going on right now. So appreciate everyone checking it out. Please, uh, continue to shoot me messages and we'll talk about it. And, uh, just thank you everybody. All right. So that'll do it for this week's Prospects to Pros podcast. Uh, Thanks, as always, to our producer, Kent Garrison, for his help behind the scenes. Uh, For Dane Brugler, I'm Chris Burke. Thanks for listening. We'll talk to you soon. Mm